Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. All right. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. I am talking to Laura Spinney, and I always want to say Laura Spinney Creative because that is her handle. So Laura, I met through my friend Charlene, and she was on the 2019 Australian Fame Team, and I thought that that would be just a really great um experience to talk through and to shed some light on for people to understand the process. Maybe, you know, it's something you've seen, but, oh, how would I even begin or anything like that? So Laura walks us through a step one to step two and how many times she actually auditioned, excuse me. And there's just so much to it, but also her story before she actually worked in Dubai and that was a whole experience in itself. And kind of her opinion on that and working for a company over there. And that was really cool and not actually what I expected to get out of the conversation. But we talk so much about fame team and the travel and the people that you meet and all of these things and the experience that she got and how it's really changed her life behind the chair now and what she's doing a year later and how it has just completely altered her yeah, what she's doing, her confidence and all of the things that maybe happen behind the scenes that you don't know, the work that happens on working on yourself and all of that. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Laura. As per usual, I've had a technical difficulty and my hard drive ejected while we were doing it. So there will be through halfway, as per usual, a little merge of the files, but you know, what can you do when you're me? So I've done my best and it is so interesting. So anybody who's thinking about fame team or how to kind of go to that next level, this is the episode for you. Put us into Laura Spinney. Yeah. Okay. Today, my guest is Laura Spinney. And I just thought that you would be one, so interesting to have on you are so authentically yourself, I feel, on social media. And I think the way that you've been kind of evolving your platform has been really interesting to watch as a viewer and seeing, you know, the changes that you've had throughout the year and since a really big thing happened for you, which was Fame Team. Is that correct? Yeah, Fame Team was probably 
uh, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And I know that that sounds so corny, but it was like a switch flicked in me. Um, it just gave me confidence like overnight. And I was like, things that I thought that I could maybe one day do, I started feeling like, oh no, I can do them and I will do them. So it's, yeah, it's been so overwhelming. I can't believe it was a year ago now. Like we were in uh, Germany or London a year ago today. And so aren't you so lucky it was last year? <laughs> yeah, so I know. Crazy. And I feel awful for the ones this year because oh. I mean, every time I, you know, open Facebook or I open whatever, it's like, every year it's been pushed back and pushed back so yeah. as in the travel yeah yeah i know well i think what i'd love kind of to do with you is roll just to the beginning get a little snippet of how you got into hairdressing and all of those things and then i want to dive into yeah you talking to us about fame team and how that's helped you and and the experience of going to the international hair shows like all of these things that you wouldn't have maybe known being here so did you always want to be a hairdresser or how did that happen for you no that's so funny no I didn't my mom was a hairdresser and I always said I don't want to be a hairdresser I know I was like I'm not doing this I'm going to be a vet I want to be a vet (laughs) and then I was like I'm really shit at school and I was just there for the sake of it you know because there was not really much else to do but also I was quite young for my year as well so leaving school in year 10 which was what was allowed when I was younger was um I was 15. I think back to 15 year olds that you know like there's no way they're ready to go out into the world um so I stayed till year 12 and then I thought okay my mum gave me one week she's like you've got one week of relaxing and then you have to get a job and I was like okay so I was like, you know what, I'm going to get a job in a hair salon just because it's what I know, um, because I always worked with my mom. And actually, my godmother is a hairdresser as well. And I was like, I'm going to get a job in a hair salon. And that will just see me through. You know, it's like, um, what's it called when you're just like running on um, ha- like habit type thing? Yeah, like yeah, I knew yeah. what it was I was comfortable. Doing. It was easy. Have- you didn't kind of have to get out I- of your comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to think. I forgot to put on my lip smacker on set. <laughs> um, so I did that. And I remember I was reading a magazine. Um, I think it, oh, fuck, it could have been, um, sorry, can I swear? You can do whatever <laughs> you want. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you um, know, I've just put Carolyn Gahan's episode out and she loves a swearing situation. But when I had, yeah. I had to edit the episode because we had a thunderstorm and it cut the whole video yeah. everywhere. I lost the video and it, anyway, so I started it's editing. Here? Pardon? Or from there. Here from in here? Melbourne and my Wi-Fi oh, cut wow. out and it was like my first week of recording. So I didn't even know like how to fix anything. And then once I yeah. started editing, then I started editing, editing out the F-bombs because I was like, I'm going to have to make sure that this is like, you know, people are aware this is a PG-13 episode. So it was funny, but you can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. Um, so I was reading my day. I think it was like Cosmo or one of those really damaging, um, useful magazines. Yes. And um, don't get me started. Um, so then, and there was like an article of this lady. Um, I won't mention her, but she worked for Tony and Guy and she had gone from like an apprentice to London to managing like, you know, this huge salon. And I was like, 
mom, what's Tony and Guy? And she was like, oh, they're like one of the biggest like hair trains in the world. And I was like, random. So I popped on like the dial up internet <laughs> and was like looking for where the closest Tony and Guy was. And I lived like really far southwest. So the closest one to me was um, Parramatta which was an hour and 40 minutes. Oh my God. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to apply and we'll see, we'll see what happens. Anyway, I went and did an interview. Then I did a trial, but never heard back from them. And I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, in the meantime, I was trialed at one really close to my house and I turned up and it was a lady, your quintessential hairdresser, right? Yeah. Um, she had like pink and blonde and black. <laughs> she was out the front just like chuffing dark down she had like the biggest salon but in you know the two hours I was there there was like one blow dry come through and she sent me to go get a coffee um for her and I was like this is kind of shit um and I think the name of the salon was like razzle dazzle or something like that Anyway, I think I do. We're like, tell me your funniest salon name because everybody's starting salon is this funny, like, click. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, God. Anyway, so I, she was like, look, you can go. And I was like, great, thanks. Like, I just want to get out of here. And she was like, I just don't think that you're what, like, I'm looking for. And I was like, no shit, babe. Like, I, no, with all due respect, you're, you're not, not what, what I'm, looking, I'm for. looking for. Yeah, and I didn't know what it was that I was looking for, but I always said to my mom, if I'm going to be a hairdresser, I want people to come to me not because I'm in the same um, postcode. Yeah. I don't want to be convenient. I want people to, like, come to me for a reason. And I've always carried that through my entire career so far. Um and my mum, you know, she was a, like a local hairdresser and that's fine. Like she yeah. taught me some really great things, but it's not what I wanted. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I kind of worked with my mum up until, I don't know, maybe 14 or 15 or something. And my brother had a really bad accident and she had to like close the salon down. So that was kind of it for the hair side of things. Um, and then, yeah, so I eventually walked out of Razzle Dazzle, called Tony and Guy and was like, yo, what's going on? You know, I did a trial like over a week ago. And they were like, yeah, we've been trying to call you. Like your phone's uh-huh. not working. This is what I was, you know, obviously working in a rural, uh, living in a rural area. So I, um, I got the job and I started the week after. Oh, that amazing. So yeah, that's kind of where I started my career. It was exactly what I wanted, although I didn't realize at the time that um, at Tony and Guy you have to choose cut or color. Yeah. So that was something that was quite foreign to me. Um, but for five years, I traveled like an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes each way. And then I eventually moved to the area. Um, I became, you know, sort of moved up. I chose cutting, obviously. Um, I moved up, progressed to like assistant, to, you know, senior stylist, style director, etc. Then I became the assistant manager. And then I wanted to move and do um, education. So I moved to the Paddington store. Then I moved into the city. Um, and that was really good. I was taking, you know, um, interning guy, they call it bartering. Okay. So I was, I was doing that. So teaching um, people to get onto the floor. I was also educating for Label M, which is their product range. Yes. 
Um, that was cool. Really loved that. And then I was kind of, uh, I went back to London actually for conference, like used to go once a year. And Tony and Guy, I, like the salon provided yeah. an opportunity for you? Well, I remember going into my boss's office and I was like, here's the thing. I need to be back in London because I'm very important and young and enthusiastic. And he was like, well, we've already got the team. And I was like, well, how about I go halves in the flight? And he was like, fine. So they sent me back, um, which was awesome. I'm glad I did that actually um, before I left them. Um, so then I went back and I had some friends in Abu Dhabi and they were like, why don't you come via Abu Dhabi on the way home and just like have a little holiday? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. Like I would never go there otherwise. So I went there, met some people, came home, hated being that because like Tony and Guy's training is really amazing, but they treat you not great. They sort of keep you like dangling your carrot all the time very much in the bubble um but they dangle carrots they're just like if you do this we'll give you half a carrot and it's like cool what about it like a pay increase that'd be cute yeah. and i was like living on my own um and i couldn't afford where i was living and i was like this is just fucked like i'm just treading water and i was yeah. like 24 um and so i came back to Sydney and I was offered a job in Abu Dhabi oh, wow. and I was like don't don't be ridiculous like I'm not doing that anyway I eventually went um and I was there for maybe 10 months oh my god cool I didn't and know that was, this about you oh yeah it's it's something it's like a deep shame oh. um but I, <laughs> it's sounds so, really fun I to me like, <laughs> it's not um it was it was exciting I learned so much about myself but were you doing hair over there yeah they that don't would be value. very different wouldn't it like the type of hair yeah. than what you were used to maybe as like inner Sydney or not oh or, yeah to- yeah 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 totally so I mean they're of the opinion that women are to have long hair um which is fine they're really quite traditional in that sense um lots of blow dries but you know we i went from like a big open space in paddington to then being in like a four station double doored indoor no window situation yeah and it was just um not my vibe i was not proud of what i was doing there yeah and that i yeah i learned that a lot like there wasn't anything you know they sort of promised me the world like yeah you can do education and they had like the rights to Kevin Murphy and whatever and then it just nothing ever happened like their minimum work week is 60 hours what that's like really that's a 38 hour week they do 60 so it's six days 10 hours a day yeah so you are being flogged like and that's the thing is when you're negotiating salary you're like yeah wow that even though they give it to you in dirhams you do like the trend uh the conversion and you're like oh yeah that's pretty good and then they're like oh we'll put you up for a month and we'll give you a car and we'll do this and we pay for your flight there blah 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 but then when you get there and you're working 60 hours and you're trying to get used to like the overwhelming heat of the place and then also the social cues and what you should and shouldn't do. And like, you know, I had super short hair when I went there and people were just so bewildered by me. They were just wow. like, you're either a witch 
or a lesbian or both. And it's like, no shade on lesbian people, but it's like, they just need to put you in a little box. So it's so different than what we're used to. And it's a massive culture shock and a bit of a slap in the face. Like, Mm. I was really, um, I'm really, what's the word? Um, Intrigued by Middle Eastern culture, but over there they are like in this particular salon that I was in they purely purely want money making they have um they have assistants that they bring in from like the Philippines and Sri Lanka and all of these places they promise them the world they don't give them anything um you know my something you're not proud to be a part of working there you weren't feeling good about what you were doing no I didn't I hated that I was contributing to a um an industry that ran off slave labor, essentially. That is what I felt icky about. You know, um, when you go like rural New South Wales, you're like, oh wow, there's like cattle trucks, right? You see cattle trucks and you're like, oh, okay. Over there you see that, but with people, like just moving people around, like from work site back and what, it's awful. Like my assistant was a 45 year old woman, Zulika. She had three children back home. They promised her so much, but there's in a 60 hour work week, there's no time for education. They don't put it aside. They don't want it. They just, it's not, it's not their priority. They just flog you. And I just hated it. And the, the crux for me was we were having a meeting. What we used to do like a monthly meeting and I was in Abu Dhabi, but the head office was in Dubai. So they would come out like marketing and, um, I don't fucking know who they were. They were just like the head office people, right? Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. So, um, you know, we're featured in this magazine this month and blah, 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 blah. And then head of HR came up and they were like, cool. And they would basically put up a photo of Crystal. Oh, this is Crystal. She's Canadian. She's great at colour. She'll be coming on into our um, Eastern Mangrove Salon. Um, you know, she's coming next week. Um, then Laura, she's great at cutting. She's coming from Sydney, blah, blah, blah. Then they put up a photo of like 40 Filipino women. And this is head of HR, which is a hilarious title. Um, and she was like, and this is the next batch of women or batch of uh, workers coming in. And I was like half listening, you know, it's early in the morning. And I was like, whoa, what did she just say? Yeah. And I looked at my colleague next to me and was like, did she just say batch? And she was like, I think so. Anyway, and then she was like, oh, and this is like the second batch of people coming through this year. And I was like, did one of those awkward laughs, like, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, no, sorry, I'm just, yeah, I was just like, what is going on here? anyway they were like is something funny Laura and I was like um not like not really but I can't believe that you're calling people batch and she was like oh no I mean like shipment I was like oh better yeah like live <laughs> cattle stuff yeah it is and I was anyway they kicked me out of the meeting they were like outside blah, blah, blah. and I was like whatever anyway Everybody came out after the meeting and they were about to yell at me. And then I was like, you guys are actually disgusting. So I don't want to work here anymore. Um, 
I need to basically over there, if you want to break your contract, you have to pay out uh, a certain, yeah. So they, or you wait until payday, jump on a plane and get out. Yeah. I, I didn't really want to do that, to be honest. I don't know why. I just felt like, what if they come after me? Or yeah, I can you never don't know what you're getting it. into. Yeah. And also, I didn't want to not be able to sleep at night, you know? Yeah. So I said to them, look, I renegotiated my contract and then I ended up leaving a few months later anyway. So, yeah, it's gross. They're gross. I feel like that's where hairdressers go to die. Wow. So, what a wild hard, story. But... And I think that, that from the way that you express yourself now and the beliefs that you have and the the opinion opinion I guess that you have that must come from that as well like that would have played a big part in you now being like I'm not going to be quiet maybe about my opinion or I want to make sure that I have this platform and I've my eyes have been opened to the opportunity the the incredible experience that you've now had that you want to share that a bit more because of that experience yeah, for sure. I think, um, especially even if you're just in your hometown and you're interviewing, um, you know, in an, it, it took me, you know, a trip to the Middle East and then back to realize that you need to ask more questions, push for what you want, but also um, they're going to tell you everything that they want you to hear. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right or true. So, um, yeah, like sometimes I like to do interviews or just meet people just to get an idea of their vibe. Like I'm not actually going to take the job, but I kind of get a bit of a thrill from sitting there going, like almost testing my bullshit radar. Yeah. So um, yeah, it definitely taught me a lot. It made me hate men a lot as well, which is, you know, a whole other ball game. Like it's so overwhelming over there in terms of, especially being a a white female on your own. um, Yeah. Yeah, they just, yeah. And they really have an opinion, a very specific opinion about white women. And when Um, you came back from there, did that take you, like, did you want to leave hairdressing then? Were you like just more passionate about getting to where you wanted to be in hairdressing so that you had this platform or mm. how did you transition back and where did you start working then? Um, So I think I probably started while I was still there going, okay, this, this is not what I want to do. I'm going to like focus, um, you know, either the plan was that I was going to go from the Middle East to London and a few personal things happened. So I couldn't really do that. So I ended up going back to Sydney. Um, But I got into the Sam McKnight um, program, I suppose. Um, So I got into that while I was over there and I thought, this is going to keep me motivated while I'm here. However, I ended up pulling out because I didn't know anyone and you need, um, you need networks over there. And so I'd met a few um, like photographers and stuff and I would try and do shoots on my one day off. But, you know, like I would end up lost in the desert somewhere because they just don't have any addresses over there. And it was just so freaking hard. Yeah. So when I came back, I decided to rent a chair and start working for myself. Um, But I also think that I was a little bit deluded to think that all my clients that I'd left 10 months ago were just going to like flop back to me. Yeah. And eventually they did, but they also, it just wasn't quick enough. So I ended up working... um, at Academy, um, 
So Ricky was a guy I used to work with in Tony and Guy. So he always said, you know, when I get my own salon, come and work for me, blah, blah, blah. So I went and did that. And that was when I started to sort of get back on track and I started putting some goals in place. And that's when I started the um, the fame team process. So, um, yeah, so the, um, that was, I, I knew I always wanted to do it. Ricky got in fame team when it first started in Australia. And then obviously all my colleagues um, from previously from Toning Guys, so Mandy, um, Nicole Kay, all of those types of people got into fame team. And I was like, right, I'm going to do it. And I was so fucking cocky as well. I was like, I've got this, yeah? No problem. Did, yeah, honestly, like, you might as well just, like, hand it over. And then I came, and I still have that very much, like, I'm from Tony and Guys. Do you yeah. know me? Um, I was very quickly shut down. Like, and it was good. It's a good thing. I'm glad I didn't get in the first time. So I went in did my thing was so fucking overwhelmed with how talented everyone in that like I got into the round two so how did maybe walk us through for people who don't know like because okay yeah walk us through maybe what fame team is and the process of getting into it a little bit like yeah okay um your hair's looking stab by the way really I was like oh looking yeah doggy it's just no I like it oh natural thank you (laughs) Um, so fame team, basically what you have to do is do like a submission, like a written submission. Um, you need to generally to have like a couple of questions to answer, like why you think you should get in, what you'll do with the initiative, um, uh, a short bio on your history so far, and then like a breakdown of what you've done. So like fashion weeks, um, shows, shoots, who you've worked with, all of that kind of stuff. So they need to see that you're active in the industry in one way or another, whether it's education or um, shoots and whatever. Even if it's just assisting, if they're not your shoots, fine, pop down everything. And you kind of not milk them, but you like, if you passed out pins for two hours to someone, write it down. Like you were there. That's to me, that's Stripe. So Stripe earning, right? Totally. Anyway, so you do that and then, you enter like send that through and this is basically same team is like a 12 month incubation process essentially so four people out of Australia get chosen it doesn't have any um matter if it's boy or girl what state they're from or whatever um it's just four four of the best um so then you just send off your thingy that then gets judged by some industry people some previous fame teamers some like big editorialists um photographers magazine editors whoever they all sit down in a room or they used to but now pre-covid they would probably do it via zoom (laughs) yeah so they go through and they like mark you not mark you but i guess give you points or whatever and then the the top point earners um become the next 14 um and then that 14 then get flown to sydney to do round two um and then round so you got two to that point is, in the first time that you mm, made it through and that's yeah, when you were like yeah. holy crap yeah and so you turn up and you're like i'm i'm ready right so they give you a breakdown of what you have to do on the day but um and you're not supposed to prepare um so basically it's like here's how the day runs like you'll come in meet everyone then you get straight into like the first um, 
um what's it called it's like a um, first look or do you do multiple yeah 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 first challenge so the first challenge is always like long hair uh and i think i'm trying to remember what some of them were it was like you're doing lady gaga's hair for the met gala this was the last year's one um she's wearing gucci i think She's flying in from another job. You've only got half 40 minutes or something to do her hair. Um, I think that was about it. It needs to suit all night. You know, she doesn't want this or whatever. Yeah, how so cool. you've got 40 minutes to do long hair. Yeah, it's cool to like watch, but you know how overwhelming it is Yeah, to do? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy <Yeah>. over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So basically you would like get stuck into it. The judges give you like 15, 20 minutes to start and then they start walking around. There's about, I think, 12 of them. And these are generally people you look up to as well. Yeah, this is intense. Um, well, yeah. And so they walk around and they're like, so this is, this is them. So Laura, what are you, um, what are you going to do today? How are you going to interpret the brief? And you're like, I'm just trying not to vomit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll be right with you. But if you don't answer, they're just like, she's got no idea. Fuck it. She's got no idea. How so, pressure. And so then you have to repeat yourself every time. And that I actually find that the easiest part, like the chalking. Like I'm a talker. Yeah. And then you basically you have to finish. But you don't have to, but you should. Yeah. Um, otherwise it looks shit. You know, you've missed the brief completely. So then they do the whole tools down, walk away. So we all walk into the other room and then they all walk around marking on the clipboard. Yep, cool. And if you can't interpret the brief and then show that you have thought about, you know, you can sit down on your phone quickly and look up, you know, look that Lady Gaga's done or like what Gucci's latest clothes are. So you can then try to tie that have in. Some you know, sort of how... a vision board type thing for yourself. Yeah, yeah. But you've only got 40 minutes and that 40 minutes literally flies. So you want to sort of be um, pretty onto it. So there was one, I think the next look, you all come back in, they show you the next brief on the on the video and it's like, I think we were doing Stella McCartney and what's her name? Is it Frances Bean? Oh God, Cobain? of course, I wouldn't know. Oh, Kurt Cobain's daughter. Okay. Um, it was her, and that we were doing hair for like rock gods' kids. So I think there was also Lenny Kravitz's daughter. Anyway, so we were doing Francis Bean's haircut mid length. We couldn't cut too much off, like that sort of thing. And you know, and you're you doing have this to on consider... a live model. Like they provide you a model. No, dolly head. No dolly head. Okay. Yeah, mannequin. Um, and then you do a quick haircut. So you have to think of the haircut, tying in Francis Bean, but also Stella McCartney for a photo shoot, blah, 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 blah. You have to consider everything. Uh, and then you do that, you walk out. And then um, the last one's generally a short haircut. I can't remember what this one was. But one year it was... No, I can't remember. So how many times um, did you audition for it or submit before you got in or... So I did, I got it on the third time, but oh I'd done God. this process twice before. I think that that is um, so important for people to know that it can really yeah. deter you, I think, and be like, ah, shit, done, that's that, you know? And 
nobody, yeah. not nobody, but most people don't win the award on the first time they've entered or win yeah. you know, th that you have to put in the work and you learn from the first experience of how to prepare better or anything like yeah. that, that I think it's really important to know that you did persevere through it and you got in on the yeah. I do see a few people that have maybe, you know, maybe in one of my auditions didn't get in and then haven't tried again. And I think don't give up because like I was pretty depressed after the first time I was just yeah. like, Deflated. Oh. but then I started, yeah, really. And then I started thinking to myself, like, did you really try? Yeah. Like, did you actually try? So then I called Brett, who, um, Brett McKinnon, who was one of the creative director at the time and got some feedback from him. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try again. And that's when I tried it again. Uh, and then um, I think after that go, I was so sure. I was like, I'm ready now. I'm ready. And then I still didn't get in. And that actually, I think the second time really fucked me. Yeah. Um, and then... I called every single judge after that. I slid into their DMs. I yep. found their email somehow, like in correspondence. I harassed everyone. And I was <laughs> like, give me some feedback. And some of it wasn't very good. Some yep. of it was really hard to hear. Um, you know, one of them made con uh, comments on my personal appearance. And oh. that's why I didn't get a look in because, I wasn't wearing enough makeup. And I was just like, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Um, but, you know, you, you called them. So you've just got to listen to it. And they're yeah. the ones you in charge. Want, you, you need so. to hear the feedback to know. And whether or not you agree with it is up to your own discretion. And you decide what is of value yeah. to you. But at yeah. least you know other things. Because a lot of people yeah, wouldn't exactly. do that. Wouldn't reach out and... I would. <laughs> I'm like the queen of the DMs, you know? I DM everyone. Hey, hello. <laughs> I was like, hello, Megan. Laura, do you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But it's true. People would think that that's maybe being pushy or something. And it's like, no, that's how you learn. That's how you get your name out yeah. there. That's how people know you want it. Yes, exactly. And one of the, the uh, feedbacks, the one that said that I didn't wear enough makeup and I looked disinterested, um, said, um, oh, what did she say? Uh, you're, you're just the hair didn't wow me. There was nothing wow about it. And I was like, fair, okay. Yeah. But then I spoke to someone literally like 30 minutes later and I said to them, you know, I prompted them to see um, how I looked personally. And they were like, oh, you know, I didn't really t pay attention. Difference of opinion. So that's the thing. It's like you, I sort of gathered all my information. I had a little notebook, everybody's intel, you know, and there are some people that are so lovely, some people that I knew that were going to give me some harsh realities. Um, and then I was like, right. And so basically... I gave myself a week to wallow yeah. in self-pity and then I started the process again and I was prepping for Okay, so yet another technical difficulty for my podcast, but you know, it just keeps it authentic. So we Absolutely. were talking about getting the feedback from the judges and you reaching out and messaging them. So do you think that that really helped you the third time around to actually yeah. get through? 
Definitely. And I think um, when you're getting this sort of feedback, you have a choice, like what you're saying. You've got a choice. You can either play that game and wear more makeup um, or, or don't. And I was very much like, fuck everyone. I'll do what I want. And then I was I'm like, I'm coming with I'm no makeup getting... on next time. <laughs> In my pajamas. I was actually, little did they know. But I was like, I'm not getting in. I'm not getting in. So I need to just play the fucking game or like just not even like consciously play the game. It's just like, just wear some more makeup. It's not going to kill you. It's not like they're asking you to change your entire image. So I got called to go to um, New York Fashion Week for Renya, for Wella. They obviously couldn't couldn't get a team together. So I got like a, a chat, a call. And I was like, yeah, cool. This is going to be sick. So I booked it and I was due to come back on the Friday, back to work on the Saturday and then Sunday prep. And then Monday was same team round two. So I went to New York, but prior to going, I was like, I'm not going to go all that way to just do one show with Renya. Um, So I'm going to reach out. So I ended up getting onto Eugene Solomon's shows um James Pichy's for All Bay, all of these things. It was so random because so I do you was just going say to... I'm coming to New York, I'm busy this day, this time. Do you have any other days that you need help? Yeah. How cool. Pretty yeah. much. So what I did was was I went on to I I first wrote a list of all of like my favorite editorial stylists. So like Guido, Eugene, James Pichy's. Then I spoke to people and people know, even clients. Clients are like, oh my friend Mitch, whatever, is in New York now and he works a lot with whatever. Yeah, so it's connections. It's always who you know. Yeah, you just reach out. So I message heaps of people. A lot of them, um, oh, also, what's his name? Um, fuck, I was annoying him so much. Um, <laughs> Gary, Gary, um, Gull? Gary Gill? Gill. Gary Gill. Um, and he didn't know he was going to be in New York until 24 hours prior. So he was like, yeah, I'll get you on, but I'm not sure. So then I got onto all of these shows. At, literally at the airport, I got an email saying, you've been cancelled off all of them. And I was like, oh, fuck. Then I landed in New York and they were like, actually, you're back on. So it, it was, yeah, it was quite a... What a whirlwind. Um, it was, for sure. But I like, they were like, oh, it's Weller sponsored. So we have to use Weller people. And I'm like, well, I'm Weller Australia. And they were like, oh, okay. So I basically just argued my way on back onto. And then I started thinking, like, I already know the time and location. I'm just going to rock up. Like, what are they going to do? Send me away? And it's so hectic. But anyway, I'm rambling. So (laughs) I did that. Had the best time. First time in New York. Was working the whole time. It was quite lonely being like there on my own and just working. And it was the middle of winter. And yeah. just, I know what that's like. I, <laughs> well, I'd never been in anything below Melbourne cold. So yeah. I was just, I thought it was amazing. You'd be in for a rude um, awakening in New York in the middle of winter. <laughs> I have never been so dry in all of my life. <laughs> I was the driest human. Um, so anyway, came back, was absolutely on a high. Uh, and I think that also probably helped because I was Because it boosted so- your confidence. You'd gone from oh, kind of God. this rejection to this pedestal <laughs> a bit. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been to New York Fashion Week. Loser. Yeah, totally. 
anyway, so I went in Monday and sure, I don't know if my look was the best. It definitely wasn't the best. And I, even when I look back on it, because basically when you do your three long hair, medium hair, short hair, then you do a present a live model. And I think like I'm obviously in Sydney. So I just think it must be so hard for like people in Melbourne and Queensland and Perth to organize their model and look yeah. and everything. So I definitely have an advantage there, even though, you know, I mean, they pulled the looks together for sure. Um, so I went in there, did that. I also had a client who helped me. She does training for people public speaking. Oh. So I did that. I also did, there's a, um, a free, what's it called? Sam Blaine told me something masters. It's like a free public speaking cool. group. And yeah. they have them in every sort of states and stuff. Um, so I did that as well. But I worked mostly with this client. So she would talk to like Jen Hawkins about how to talk in front when she got on to David Jones and Maya, whatever she did. So she helped me. So basically on the Sunday, I'm jet lagged out of my fucking mind. And she had a video camera. And basically I had everything right now. And I would go through and just basically try and memorize it but also have like the appropriate pauses and, you know, how to say things with conviction and, you know, all of those types of things, because I was getting up there on stage or like on stage and just failing. And I was so overcome with nerves. I was just like, blah, blah, blah. and here's my look. I'd be like, thank you so much. And it was just shit. It was just turning to shit for me. So I know I, I knew I needed a lot of work in that. Um, so that's one thing I would definitely suggest is like, look at where your weakness is. If it's speaking, if it's the hair up aspect and you're amazing at cutting and you're amazing at talking to really refine your skills through that Mm -hmm. year of prep. Cause it is like every year. So you have a full time to rehearse or to practice what you're, yeah, interesting. Exactly. So I did that and that once. I and I felt like an idiot you know when you're like talking and then you stop for pause and you've got 12 industry leaders looking at you while you're pausing that two seconds feels like a year and it's like I feel so fucking stupid right now but it worked and once I finished I was like I fucking got this I've got this I have nailed every single aspect of today but even if I didn't get it I got it to myself because you knew at that point that you were happy with what you'd done yeah Yeah. but I knew that I'd done better than the first and the second year and that was enough for me so I was like this is I'm fine now so yeah and then I obviously got called and oh my god I'm gonna send you the video my colleague was filming me when my name was called I'll put it on the Instagram and we'll use that for a bit of your post hysterical oh my god so basically I think it was Charlene got called first. She was the first one. And then Chris. And then I had just gone completely numb by this point. And my partner was there and he'd been there the two years previously or maybe one year. Um, And, you know, he's holding me, my whole team's holding me. And then they said my name, but I was numb already. So I didn't hear it. And I looked at my partner and he like just screamed and jumped up and literally... I couldn't stop crying. Like I'm an emotional person, but I was hysterically squealing into people's <laughs> faces. 
it honestly, I was just like, I did it. That was like, it was embarrassing. I'm going to send you the video. It's I'd be the same. I'm um, saying like, I, my one dream in life is I wish I was a singer. I wish I could sing and like, you know, <laughs> a Grammy and go up on stage and get it. But the next best thing has got to be this. It's same to me. Yeah. I'm <laughs> you know, please. where you get to I'm, go up and get the trophy and get, give a speech and, you know, like, come I'm on. So, I'm I'm actually so glad that fame teamers don't get to do speeches because it would have been fucked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I could not, I had no makeup left. I was a bit drunk and I was just squealing. Oh my God. So but I just, it was like three years of compounded yeah. hard work and I did it. And it was like this release and I just screamed and cried. And that was just my natural release. And I was yeah. like, fuck it, you know. Um, so and yeah, and then what happens stop. next? Like, how do you go from that night? Like, do you have to tell your employer, like, hey, I've I've won this. I'm going to be traveling all year, or like, uh, how so does that kind of actually, come into it? You actually, yeah, good question. You actually need a letter from your employer, or they need to, to email that and if, division. If Laura gets in, we give permission for her to have every opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they give you like, you know, you'll need this block of dates this block like rough dates after for expo and then four weeks for travel and then a few other bits and bobs so i think it's like five weeks five or six weeks in the year that you need so they do tell you before make sure you save some money because even though they cover most of everything you still need your own money yeah, you um, still have to pay your rent and your phone bill. And that was something because charlene's obviously a good friend of mine and that was something when that was happening i was like but how can people afford to have, like, it's an incredible opportunity, but how can you yeah. afford to have that much time off? Like, do you use annual, your, all your annual leave? And that's what that is. You and can. That, for people, yeah, you can. To chair, uh, there's just so many things that I thought about being like, oh my God, that'd be quite hard. You're such a mom. You're like, how do I save? <laughs> how are you guys handling your finances? Like, <laughs> money hoarder and like life. Yeah. <laughs> like that. It's so bad. But in, to be fair, in this instance, it's been a good situation for me because. I bet. Oh, I bet. But also, anyway, yeah, you do, you do get like um, a heads up. Like it's going to be a costly year for you. But you know what? Irrespective of the money, it was the. Um, the lack of sleep. Like, yeah. if I look back on photos from last year, I'm like bloated. I'm drunk all the time, but it's the best. I wouldn't have changed it for the world. So yeah, what you did do you need get to, to do. Up. Like, what was your what was your fame team highlight? Uh, I think traveling overseas. Like yeah. that to me. I do you know when some people sort of measure their success. Mine is if someone pays for a flight for me. So I think that's- <laughs> So that was awesome. Obviously, um, meeting all the sponsors, getting gifted, everything is incredible. You feel like literally people treat you like a superstar. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I think we all were. We were just so overwhelmed all of the time, but in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, but one of the highlights was like, so that was in April. Then I think it was May, which was our um, our week we had a week off where we are um mentored so two mentors a day like sharon blaine kobe boshish laura mccowan uh natalie ann um i said shazza um 
And so that happens in Sydney, like you get all these people yep. coming to mentor. Isn't that a, that is such yeah, an incredible cool. opportunity. It's awesome. Yeah. And so I think, so we all met up in Paddington and just like kind of met each other for the first time. Like, you know, Shara and I had obviously met maybe via Instagram or met, I think the year before when her and I both didn't get in and we were just like really upset and drunk and crying and stuff. (laughs) But you know, Chris and I, I'd followed Chris for a long time on Instagram and I just thought he was so fucking cool. Um, and William, I didn't, like, you don't really know them, but you know of them. So yeah. we actually sat down and had lunch at the Three Blue Ducks in Rosebury. And that was probably one of my highlights because we were just buzzing. And you would we were getting be to in your everyone. best moment. Yeah, we were. And that was like, you know, everything else was the best ever. But that was probably one of my like fondest moments because it was the calm before the storm. Everything was sinking in and we were just like this. You know when you're on a roller coaster and you're about to go down? Oh God. That's what it was like. We were just like <laughs> Yeah. You know, we had the year. The next year was gonna be like a roller coaster and that was a nice moment to just like gather our thoughts, drink some wine, share them. It was beautiful it was really beautiful so So then we spent the next week together and naturally you get super close like every day we'd have lunch together coffee together dinner together we'd all go back to the house like the Sydney people and just um drink after mental and it was so draining like we were dead you don't sleep you're always drinking there's I don't think I touched water for like 10 months Um, (laughs) and it's the emotional draining too where it's like because you're so excited and you have to be Adrenaline. switched on as well because you're like mm. presenting yourself to all these people all the time. You have somebody yeah. that you're constantly maybe trying to impress a bit or, you know, you want to be switched on when you're meeting your heroes who are teaching you like it, it would. And you never want to say no to something and you don't want to go home first. And you don't, you know, it, it is yeah. really tiring. I know. Thing, yeah, it was for sure. And like, I so after that week you know it was like goodbye and then we basically were prepping for expo which was coming up in June June long weekend um so then we prepped for that and that was was our first time on stage we were so under not underprepared because we prepared yeah but we were I'd also resigned in that time as well um so I I was going to resign anyway, but I just made, I sort of waited until um, the announcement. Um, yeah, I'd been there for three years. It's time to move on. So I resigned. And I so, yeah, I was kind of dealing a lot with that emotion. You know, everybody had their own salon shit to deal with, but also their personal lives. And then we're trying to prep in other states. So yeah. Chris and I are obviously here in Sydney together, Shah's in Melbourne, William's in Queensland. And then we've also got Jack, our creative director in Melbourne as well. So we were prepping. Um, and I think we actually planned an unofficial meetup where we all went to Melbourne and we did, we stayed there for the weekend. We did some like practice talking in front of people. Oh, actually, I think it might've been after Expo. I can't remember actually, but That's we did okay. a trip. Up, up to Sydney and then down to Melbourne, like two unofficial trips just to get more practice and some yeah. more time because we, like, I don't know how people did it when they had Perth, P 
people in their fame team because the time difference is just so hard. Um, oh. And just like so, they don't offer that anymore. Site. What do you mean? Don't offer what? Uh, to people from Perth, or it's just that you just didn't no, have they somebody. Do. They, uh, you're just yeah, saying, we just I get it. You didn't have, have yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. in your team from there. And yeah. imagine if you did. I thought they were like, nope, you can't come. If you're from Perth, the time difference is too hard. You know what, <laughs> Paris, you kind of like shut off your borders. So you're out. No. Um, no, they just didn't have anyone from Perth. So it was, um, so we didn't have anyone from Perth. Yeah. So anyway, um, so we did that. We did Expo. Expo was. You were at Expo, right? Oh, yeah. I was at yeah. Expo. And so you, you saw the I was definitely situation. there for that moment. <laughs> so we were not ready. We weren't, but we couldn't but have been any more The point of that presentation, ready. as much as it was um, to present, it was also for yeah. you to practice on home soil before you're yeah. then doing the same presentation, because it was the same presentation overseas, correct? So yeah, it was similar. Yeah. yeah. But we were so like we got off stage. <laughs> we got off stage and Char and I were hysterically crying. We were just like I, I think I Chris got a cry as well. Yeah. I just everyone was there. We were so overwhelmed. And I can't I think it was Duncan from Joyco was hugging me and was like, Why are you crying? And I was like, I don't know. Oh, um but I was trying to just be happy. I was like, they're happy tears, but they weren't. They were fearful tears. And then we sort of got some feedback and it was like, it wasn't, it was great, but it wasn't great. You know, we obviously, these are what we need to work on. But that and is it was the like, point yeah. of this journey yeah. Oh, yeah. is to better yourself and is to learn. To be and better, is, yeah. Sure. And you were, then yeah. you got to go overseas and go international, right? And do... Do it at yeah. the big hair so then, shows. Was that a big eye? Well, I guess you said you'd been to London before, but was it for a hair show? Like, had you been to that caliber? It was, no. It's it was huge, just isn't it? Tony and Guy. Yeah, it was just Tony and Guy sitting in conference rooms in hotels or in their academy. Um, and it's like secular, right? So we, yeah, we went to, first we went to LA. Um, we stayed in like a mansion that David Manor had organized. I'm talking like, Kimmy K's first house situation. There was an elevator. We had like our own, oh no, we didn't have our own rooms, but like we had a couple of, um, I think cause there was so many people there, but like, you know, we went out the back, there was like a pool and a spa and just the hills. And we were just like, fuck, this is insane. So that was sick. We were there in LA for about five days and we went to Main Addicts, um, head office, we met some cool people that were like uh, either Aussies living over there or just editorial stylists. We met a guy, his name's Russell, um, and he does a lot of like um, celebrity hair. Um, we met him, we went for dinners, we drank, drank, drank. We went to Medman, which I don't know who you know is, um, the weed shop. It's like an yeah. Apple store for weed. Yeah. I don't smoke weed, but it was so wild over there. So different. Um, so that it? was really cool. Yeah, so wild. Um, so we did all of that, and then we went to New York, and we did a shoot on the rooftop, on a rooftop, not the roof, on a rooftop with Laura McCowan for the new um, Evo Curl range. That was probably one of the highlights, actually. Yeah. That was insane. The day was perfect. It was like a really sunny day. 
Um, we had all these different like Afro type hair that we were playing with. The models were all like incredible, just super lovely, taking us through all the um, their hair types and how they deal with it. And it was like educational, but also super warm and a really, just a really beautiful day. So we did that, David Manor shot that. Uh, and obviously hanging out with Laura McCowan is sick. She's such a ledge. We had wines. And then what else did we do? you went to Europe do? now from there? Yeah, then we, I'm trying to think what else we did in New York. We did a shoot with David Manor's brother as well. Yeah. Uh, and then we went to London. That's when we did um, uh, main, um, is it main stage? No. Um, Salon International, which is oh, like yeah. hair expo, but on steroids. Um, and we were in this house prepping for like two days and we were just up all night. Like we didn't stop for food. We were just like prepping, 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 setting things, hanging stuff up on clotheslines. Like we were delirious, but it was awesome because we were together. So yeah, at least um, when you're in a team in that, cause like, if I think about, even if I go on a holiday, I'm jet lagged. I'm having a nap in the afternoon. Like, you know, yeah. all these things. You've just gone from Australia yeah. to New York to LA to London, all different time zones. And you're expected to prep and present. So at least you do have yeah. people, a group that's in the same. It'd be high yeah. emotions too. Like everything would be all over the place. And I'm not good on no sleep. I'm like a grumpy bitch. And, you know, we were eating just shit and we were drinking whatever. And it was just not, you know, whatever. It was awesome. It was the time of our life. We felt like rock stars. Yeah. Um, so then um, we prepped for that and the show went incredibly, like, incredible. We had this, like, such energy on stage together our hair was like I wasn't super happy with my hair look like what I imagined didn't really happen but it was fine because I was like kind of honest about that and I was like I don't really know what I was going for here but this is anyway um but it was just a great energy and like you know Shara and I were talking or Shara and Chris or Will and I and like it was just really uh cohesive and it was amazing so we came off stage and we were buzzed like no tears we were so happy uh, and then we did another show as well. We did the same one, but a different time. Yeah. That was awesome. And then we were able to just enjoy Salon International in London. We went to, um, I forget what the actual show was called, but it was um, David Manor hooked us up with some tickets. It was, ooh, I can't remember, but it was I a remember, tribute. I know tribute. what you're talking about, but. Tribute. It was called Tribute Show for, um, Oh God! And it wasn't in English, right? No, no, no. This was. This is still oh. in London. It was a tribute show for what is his name? Um. Oh my God! I can't believe I've forgotten his name. Anyway, um, and that was amazing. So it was just like incredible hairdressers all doing. Like they would come on stage, and they weren't really talking. They were just doing hair. And same with noise. There was like another show called Noise where it was just pumping loud music they'd come on stage do some rad shit didn't say a word and everyone would just be like wow. watching it was it's so awesome. different and yeah. you know oh my god it's so much fucking cooler over there like um but then we left london and we went to hanover and we stayed in a um water tower it was really cool 
Uh, and then we had another show to do. So we kind of did something similar to um, Salon International, uh, but we changed a few things. Um, and that was the show that wasn't in English. <clears throat> Excuse oh, okay. me. It was, it was in German or Arabic. Yeah. And we were just like, what? Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Like we were supposed to have a um, translator, but there were like thousands of people. There was no way they were going to be able to translate. So that was hilarious. So it was one day, it was like eight hours and it was just act after act after act. And everyone just sat in this auditorium just losing it. It was wild. And it was all of these like Lebanese um, hairdressers that either lived in um, Hanover or they come over for it because there's a really big Lebanese population there. Interesting. Um, and also, do you know Manir? Uh, yes. Not personally, yeah. but I know the name. I know oh. you're talking about. Oh, yep. <laughs> so he was there and we met him and we went for dinner with him or lunch and stuff. He can't speak English um, very well. We can't speak Lebanese either or Arabic. Um, but we met him and he was there and that bought so many people. Like it was just insane. And it was just hours and they just sat there watching. It was crazy. Oh, and then okay. once we finished with that, it was, um, we basically just slept yeah. after that. And it was, and was nice. it a nice little bit like it. this kind of sad thing? Cause that was your last thing as fame team kind of, I know you still had your photo shoot left in Sydney, but that's, mm. that's not, that's it, but that's it a bit that it's this. Yeah, it was, it was a nice ending though, because yeah. it was sort of getting a bit cold in um, Germany and we had kind of just packed up, but basically we, um, I'm pretty sure we finished up at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, drove home. Then we were on like a 6 a.m. flight the next morning, back to London, had 12 hours, London to Asia somewhere, then Asia to Melbourne, Melbourne to Sydney. So we had like five or six flights that we had to, that was, That's yeah. That's the part that the people don't day. realize too, is like as much as it's, whether it's fame team or just doing a, a show or something, you know, anything. Yeah. It, there's a lot of time that you spend uh, yeah. not glam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, majority, I would say. Yeah. yeah. It was, but you know what? I wouldn't change it at all. Like, how incredible. I, I think again. that's so interesting. And I, yeah, I think people would love to hear all this the background and everything yeah. that happens. And how do you think that fame team has now changed? your career or where you're at now in your career? Um, I think, I mean, one of the main reasons for Fame Team is to kind of put people like me and Shar and William and Chris on a platform, right? Because we're so flooded. The market's flooded and it's good just to sort of like lift them up, shine a light on them. So that definitely helped. My confidence, like I said before, just changed overnight. I was just like, it was just that validation that I was enough. Um, that I think has just changed me dramatically, which meant that, you know, if I was um, approached by someone, whether it's a product company or, you know, to do a shoot or whatever, that I had the confidence to say, no, this is what I charge. Yeah. Or, oh, I'm sorry, I actually can't do that for free anymore. I'm not in a position to work for free. Yeah. Not to say that you don't, because I still shoot. Yeah. Um, I still do test... Um, I still do like work that's probably nowhere near what I should be charging, but 
just that confidence to be able to say, this is actually what I'm worth. Um, and I think that that is important, especially in our industry. Hair and makeup beauty in general is, you know, wildly underpaid, sometimes overpaid. Um, yep. But yeah, I was just confident to, um, you know, I went into a new job at Edwards & Co. And I was able to say, they were like, this is what we're going to offer you. And I was like, well, this is what I want. And they were like, okay. And I remember getting that email being like, are you guys fucking crazy? Like, I've never firstly been asked what I want to be paid and then had it agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good. I just felt a lot more confident. Also, I had a lot more people reach out to not... Um, not be like not ask me to be their mentor but to ask about the process or you know here is what I'm thinking um because you know over that 15 years of my industry um, my career so far I haven't been happy those entire 15 years there are times when you're younger you're like why am I working for $260 a week I'm tired my back hurts I'm broke like why am I doing this I should just get an office job and so I think it's really important to talk to people that do slip into your DMs and just say, like, it gets better. It gets so good that it's worth the shit now. Um, So, yeah, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of given me so much confidence. Yeah. I think that's probably the main thing. And, someone and that's asked exactly that the what day. I wanted to get out of this podcast was exactly what you just said, that there are times when all of us, like most, I would say most of us have thought, all right, enough is yeah. enough. I'm going to get an office job because I need, I need the paycheck. I need the nine to five. I need the stability. And I wanted yeah. to talk to people who are now in a position that they are financially comfortable or really happy in what they're doing, picking their own hours, doing the work mm. you said you are finally doing the hair that you have wanted to be doing. You're not doing the clients that you don't enjoy. And so yeah. now you're working for yourself. Is that correct? And you're able to do yeah. that now and pick who you want to do and run the way yeah. that you want to run. Yeah, so I worked for myself uh, in like a rent-a-chair situation. I work three days a week, although this week I'm doing four. It just depends on client. Demand. Yeah, client demand. So I work, um, yeah, generally Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Wednesday I do a really long day, Friday, Saturday. But I have um, such cool clients that have all just come out of like the nooks and crannies of Sydney. And I think, I do believe, I mean, I'm sure every hairdresser does as well, that you curate your own clientele, yep. right? If I'm putting up lots of balayage, I'm going to get balayage. That's not my vibe. I do colour, but I I yep. cut. That's my thing, right? Um, but I I remember a few, a couple of years back, it was probably like around the second time of um, Fame Team, and I was like, I need some more fun cuts. So I'm like, I need to put it out there. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to find some on Instagram. So I have one girl. I went on this, like a nightclub that was really, really cool, somewhere that I probably would never go because I'm not that cool. But I just went through all their followers and just started looking at them going, cool, you live in Sydney, I'm going to reach out to you. You've got rad hair, I'm going to reach out to you. And I just did that. And then I offered them free haircuts if Love I could take it. photos. Yeah. Uh, and that's essentially how I then curated a couple of years later 
my um, my clientele because they still come to me now. Even though I offered them free haircuts before, they now still come to me. So yeah. because you gave them yeah. the service and they realize how good it was, or you know they realize, oh, this is amazing. I've never had a haircut like this, and they're willing to pay. Doing a free service sure. doesn't mean you're forever doing free service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also they um, not just that is they want to tell people. Yeah. And they want to post about it. And like this one particular girl has quite an influential um, following, not a huge following. I mean, she does now, but, you know, she would post like, oh my God, Laura Spinney Creative did my hair. And then I was flooded and I'm still flooded, Um, which is awesome. Yeah. So I love that. And then I also am able to shoot on the side as well. Um, you know, I haven't got an agent. I did want one, but I just, I'm actually finding it quite difficult to do now. Um, you know, it's quite soul destroying when you're reaching out to, um, agencies and they're like, "Mm, no, you're not really what we're after or we're not taking people on at the moment. And it's like, okay, but you just keep going. You just keep going. And I still have my own clients. Um, you know, like I work a lot with Sony and with like different um, music groups or like entertainment groups and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, so cool. It's good. I think it's been really exciting. I mean, I didn't know you before you were on fame team or this, but I just, I feel like I can feel your confidence and exactly what you said you've gained yeah. from this. Like, I think that it does show and your page is sick and you, I think it's really exciting to watch somebody go through an experience like that and actually come out flourishing and being able to work for yourself and feel like that's the best financial decision for you than working for somebody else. And that you are able to do that and show people all the, all the potential that you can have. And I think what you're doing is really, really great. Thank you. Yeah. I think working for yourself, it's like, you know, obviously in the States and Canada, people do it a lot. Yeah. Um, And it's shifting here. And you know, I like, I think it was probably my last four bosses have all been male. Yeah. There's all always been like, like sometimes bosses kind of gaslight you or they, you know, kind of keep you a little bit insecure so you stay. And yeah. I know that it's probably so hard to run a business and I personally don't want to do it. I don't want to have staff or a salon, but I also think that, I don't know, as stylists, we can demand more. Like, I, there's no way I would want to work for someone ever again. Like, it's just, I make more in three days than I did in a whole week of being absolutely fucked. Like, and fucked. you had just said that you uh, you got this wage that you thought was incredible. And now you're like, yeah. what was that? That's not even, you know, like. I mean, yeah, totally. It's, it's like, I, yeah. It is. It's just like leaps and bounds. You just have yeah. to believe that you can do it. And it's also so nice to just like manage my own day. Um, and as hairdressers, yeah, um, we often don't have that. And it is the downside of the industry of the hours, the evenings, the weekends, the holidays, all of those things. So to hear yeah. from somebody that, you know, you, you've had this incredible experience and once in a lifetime kind of thing and to have it turned your life around and you feel like you have this balance and you're so happy with what you're doing now, I think is just really inspiring for people and will motivate them to follow their dreams as well, which is exactly what I'm trying to do. Perfect. Yeah. Balance is the most important thing. Like I'm a bit of a workhorse. I was doing 
sometimes seven days a week and I was just fatiguing myself I would get super sick to have to take some days off yeah. it's not worth it like the hardest part for me now is to actually slow down and to start taking care of my health a bit better because I know I don't look any older than 12 <laughs> but I'm like I'm tired man yeah. like I want to work smarter not harder totally you know there, when, there are times where you have to work really hard and to be honest working for yourself is hard like it's a different sort of hard like I have so much admin I have an accountant now like yeah. hilarious learning zero um but also just managing appointments you're constantly being contacted by yeah. people I need to change this I need to do this I can't make this and it's hard um, too because also, people message you on so many different platforms now too. I've oh been finding that hard, God. even just in my own stuff. People are like, when are you opening? I want a hair appointment. I want to book a podcast. Okay, text me your bio. And then I have it in a, an email. And then I have to send you that. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I have seen a few. I've seen one client recently try and message me on Facebook. And I'm like, but you have my number. We've previously booked. So I'm actually ignoring it. I'm, I'm making a stand. And I'm yeah. like, if you really want this, you'll text me or oh, call me. me. Um, so yeah, so I'm like reception, apprentice, marketing, blah, 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 All blah, blah. Like I'm everything, yeah. But it's also so exciting because like I've employed someone to do some branding for me. And, you know, trying to figure out what my brand is, is yeah. so hard, but I it's know. also so exciting. You know, and I just like got some new headshots done the other day, which I will send you eventually. Um, <laughs> But it's like, cool, like, what do I want? What what do I want to wear? What I'm not yeah. going to stand there. like. I can do whatever I want. It's mine. Yeah. And it's so awesome. Like, I'm fucking so happy. I wake up every day and I'm like, I'm so happy. So oh, it's it. awesome. And I haven't felt this good in forever. So I, yeah, it's, but it's taken 15 years. Yeah. to get here and I can finally feel like I I deserve it I yeah, you, you know and everybody else deserves it for sure Incredible. like you deserve to wake up feeling happy yeah, I think that that is the perfect ending to the episode and I really just appreciate you taking the time I think that you put a different perspective on things and had this experience that I really wanted people to be aware of that this is an opportunity for you. This is an option if you want it and look how you can yeah. thrive and flourish and find yourself. So thank for you sure. so much for taking the time My out of your pleasure. day for me. And I'm sorry we had a, a midway crash as per usual. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's kind I of like, love talking I mean, to you and I really, yeah, appreciate the sharing the knowledge because I think sometimes we can keep those things to ourselves so it's been really informative. oh yeah I agree oh my pleasure thank you so much for asking me and I love what you're doing I think it's awesome thanks really so good. much thank you Laura thanks for listening to this week's episode of the successful stylist unfoiled don't forget to follow like and subscribe on Spotify iTunes and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes